one more time. We sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh song we're together again thank you we're together again just praising the lord we're together in one accord oh something good is going to happen Just praising the Lord. 
a little bit. I've been given a slight time limit, so <laughs> um, let's sing that song. We'll uh, switch it up for our prayer request here. If you would put it in C, Sister Becky. Let's uh, sing that song, Only Believe. I'm glad all we have to do is just believe, and the Lord will take care of the rest. Only believe Oh I'd just like to ask uh, Brother Josh if he would be prepared to come up and lead us in prayer. Um, I just want to have you guys remember Brother Keith, my dad. He is away for work traveling right now. We also would like to remember the McCafferty's. They are not here with us. We also have a request here for Brother Peter Coffey. He is away at work as well, and his family is not here. We also uh, just want to remember Brother Ethan and Sister Anna. Richard, they are at home right now. And uh, also, we just want to remember Brother Aaron McGarry. He is at home as well. Uh, also, I have here that uh, Brother Matt Cross is having to work tonight as well, and his family is at home. So if you would just keep them in prayer. Uh, Brother Josh, if you would go ahead and come forward, and if you would just stand with me again. 
let us pray. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for this evening together, Lord, to spend with each other, Lord, in fellowship, Lord. I pray, Lord, for these needs, Lord, that have been spoken, Lord, and the ones that are on our hearts, Lord, tonight. We think of the ones, Lord, having to work. I've been in that uh, position, Lord, many times before, Lord, and I know the desire, Lord, of those brothers and their families, Lord, to be here with us, Lord, this evening. We pray for the ones, Lord, who have health concerns, Lord, or are unable to make it, Lord. We pray, Lord, you just go and touch them, Lord, this evening, and Lord, as well. We pray for your word tonight, Father. May it come, Lord, and just open up our hearts, Lord, and may we receive that word, and may we just push off all the thoughts of our minds, Lord, that might be bothering us, Lord, this evening, and we just let you have the have your way with us, Lord, tonight. We love you and appreciate all that you do. We ask it all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats again. Uh, if Sister Elizabeth would go ahead and come on, and as she's coming, let's sing that song, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Oh, and he's just the same. Oh, Lord bless you. They put me on the spot, so pray for me because I'm not a piano player. (laughs) This song's just been in my heart. And it's just been my little prayer with everything happening.
song uh, it is well with my soul if you would just stand with me as we sing it when peace like a river attendeth my way when
Also as well, Sister Hannah Whitlock had her stress test today, and she's gone back home, and uh, they're uh, collecting uh, results of tests and so forth, and so we don't know anything further about that, but we would ask you to remember that need in prayer. Sister Shirley and Sister Karen Buchanan are not here tonight. Sister Shirley has got some sinus uh, issues and allergies and so forth, and she's not uh, feeling well. She hasn't been feeling well for a while, and so we want to hold her up in prayer. Sister Sabrina Stevens also has some problems with her teeth, and we want to remember that. Sister Marcia Hullinger, we had talked about her a couple of months ago. She was tested positive for the virus. She lives up in Ohio. Uh, her and her husband, Steve, both were tested positive, and Sister Marcia had to go to the Cleveland Clinic for heart issues. They had a, a pretty serious problem with her heart and had to do uh, surgery on her. Also, as well, we're remembering Angela Boyd uh, in prayer out in Arizona, and uh, she is still very uh, serious condition out there due to the virus. Troy and Connie Hughes are not here tonight, and we want to remember them in prayer uh, as well. Sister Caitlin Brown had a, an accident today and uh, had an injury to her face, and so we would ask you just to remember her in prayer, not here tonight, and um, we would just ask you just to hold her up uh, in prayer, and uh, they had thought the accident was serious at the beginning, but it was not quite as serious, and so uh, we're just asking you to remember that need in prayer, if you don't mind, they're not here tonight, uh, they're at home. We have lots to pray about, and we have lots to uh, think, lots to consider, but you know what, we have a lot to be thankful for as well. We have a God who cares about everything we go through, and already knows the answer. And he's a supernatural God. He's still the supplier he always was. Let's sing this tonight before we pray. Come with me. Make it your prayer now. Cherubim 
Jesus, we count it a blessing to be able to come to your throne tonight, carrying all of our burdens and our petitions, Lord. We lay them at your feet tonight. We do believe that you hear us when we pray. We believe, Lord, that this list that we have read and the one that Mitchell read, Lord, all of these things are not surprises to you. You know every situation. Lord, your God is able to supply in the midst of every emergency. You're a healer today the same as you always were. And Lord, we depend upon that tonight. We pull upon that great gift and the provision you have made for us. There are some, Lord, that are here tonight that need an answer. They need a touch. They need your help, Lord. They're in the right place. There are some people, Lord, that are listening tonight by way of the streaming. And Father, we know that they're also in the right place. Because whenever we're in your presence, good things can always happen. You always have good things to say to us. And so, Lord, we invite your presence to come tonight and be very real. Anoint the minister, I pray, and anoint our hearts to receive. We just want to get ourselves out of the way and lay all of the busyness of this week aside just for a little while. And, Lord, may we glean from you tonight. May our cups be full. And, Father, may we say when we leave here tonight, it's been good for us to be in your house. Have your way, we pray, Lord, and minister to each and every one, especially these ones we have listed here tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Good to have Ben and Rachel here tonight, family, and each and every one of you. I worship you. I worship you from between the wings of the cherubim. I worship you. I'm going to invite Brother Mike to come tonight. Brother Mike Holloway is no stranger to us, and we just want you to pull on the gift tonight. You know, it isn't as the the vessel itself, the person itself, is not as important as how God will use that vessel. That's what's most important. And I'll tell you what else is important. You need to never forget that you're half the gift. You're half of the gift. And so, therefore, you do your part and invite the Holy Spirit to do his part. And we'll just trust that Brother Michael just step out of the way and the Lord will speak through him. The advantage of this is that he doesn't know anything about what's going on in your life. He doesn't know anything what's going on in your household. He doesn't uh, you know, know any, any of the details. So he's got a freedom in the spirit to be able to say what God leads him to say. And the Holy Spirit always knows what's best. Let's sing it one more time tonight. I'll meet you there, and we'll turn it over to Brother Mike. I'll meet you. Yes, I'll meet you. God bless you, brother Mike. Thank 
sweet to meet with him wherever we meet with him. Just having him being there is, is a special honor and treat. Appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. Appreciate Brother Barry's invitation. And as he said, very good instructions. You have to gift. So just pray for me and, and talk to God about what you have need of and trust that he's able to direct the gift in that direction. And so we're just going to bow for a word of prayer, and then we approach the word, the message for tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, Lord, for your goodness that you've shown to us. Lord, we thank you for being called the sons of God, for being able to recognize our position in this hour, recognize your redemptive blessing upon us, and know that it's not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. And so, Lord, we come tonight under that expectation under that mercy and grace and we ask that you forgive us first for our sins and our shortcomings oh god and i pray on behalf of every person's present and lord may there be nothing in the way of unbelief to hinder the service tonight but god may you have preeminence and may your spirit move sovereignly oh god and may your will be accomplished in this service tonight lord we commit all things into your hands and we ask your grace in jesus christ's name amen 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 let's look at genesis chapter one genesis chapter one And I tell you, as I get a little bit older, my eyes seem to get a little weaker. And uh, I'm looking at this small iPad, and I see this big monitor right here. And I thought, oh, how nice would it be if I had this over here? <laughs> I could really make the type big and wouldn't have to worry about it. But uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And I'm just going to read three verses of Scripture. Genesis 1, 26, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Keep in mind, this is God speaking, something in his image, and his likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now keep in mind, man was not created at that point. This is just God thinking. God said, I want something in my image. And the next verse said, after he had that thought, when he acted on it to create something, what was in his image? A man. I want you to watch this. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that moveth upon the earth. Just bow our heads again for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we've read your word, and as a man, that's as far as we can go with any confidence. But Lord, I know you're the only one that can reveal the inspiration. Lord, you know where we stand tonight. You know our heart's desire. You know what you've put in us. Lord, we commit all that to you tonight, that you might use it for your glory. Speak to your people. We ask your grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My thought for the night is the reflection of God. The reflection of God. And we all have know what a reflection is. We've all experienced it. You look in the mirror. I'm sure all of us probably did today, probably before you came to church, men and women, probably went by a mirror somewhere and looked in the mirror because you wanted to see something. And you, what you wanted to see was yourself. And so the mirror was the way in which man has developed a, a tool by which he can see himself. And this mirror actually uh, doesn't create an image. All a mirror really does is it, it reflects light, is all that it does. 
And so when you look in the mirror, you not only see yourself, but you'll see what's behind you and you'll see what's beside you and you see all these things. Why? Because as the light in the room is reflecting off these objects, the light from those objects go toward that glass we call a mirror. And all that mirror is designed to do is to have so much uh, silver, so much mercury, so much so much reflective material on the backside of that glass. So when that light comes to that mirror, all that mirror does is it bounces it back. That's all the mirror is doing. It's not creating the image. It's only bouncing back what is actually being projected toward the mirror. And when you stand in front of the mirror and your eyes are able to catch the light bouncing back off of that mirror, then your mind is able to conceive what's going on in your surroundings. Why? Because that mirror just reflected back to you. Even what's behind you that your eyes can't see, it's just a reflection is all it is. Something that actually exists is being reflected back out by that mirror. Are you following me? So my title is a reflection of God. Are you following me? There has to be an original somewhere in order for the reflection to come back out. Are you following me? And so that's what a mirror does. That's one type of reflection. But there's another type of reflection I want to deal with, too. There's a reflection of what's in the man's heart. A lot of times we have things in our heart, and a lot of times people can't, well, really nobody can, I should say, see what's in your heart, except there's by divine gift, as with the prophet, as we had in this age, who had the ability to actually discern the hearts of people. But without that type of prophetic gift, there's really no way to know what's in the heart of a person. But if you watch that person's life, their life begins to bear witness of what's in their heart. It's simply a reflection of something that's deeper down inside. Are you following me? And that's the way it is with artists. See, I'm an artist. And when you're an artist, an artist actually has desires. He has inspiration. He has things inside of him. And when he creates his artwork, that artwork is a reflection of what's inside of that artist. He's just basically focusing or channeling those thoughts that's inside of him into some type of creation. Are you following me? And so we look at God and God said, let us create man in our image. God was saying there, I wanted something to reflect me. Are you following me? And what it was going to reflect in was something that was a creator that was on the inside of that creator. He wanted to project that which was inside of him. And what he was going to project was going to reflect him. Are you following me? So my title today is The Reflection of God. And I want you to think about these reflections for a little bit. And what God wanted to reflect, as we said, was something that was in him, a desire he had, actually before the foundation of the world. When he created man in his image, he had to first think, I want a man in my image before he created a man in his image. If you look at Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, 11 says, if we could drop down there for a minute, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, listen, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So each part of creation, listen, has a part to play. Each part of creation is to reflect something of the creator, and each part of that creation was to serve a purpose to bring God pleasure. I don't care if that part of that creation was the sun or the moon or the stars. I don't care if the part of that creation was bodily life like trees or plants. I don't care if that part of creation was animals. I don't care if that part of creation was man, such as you and I. Every part of creation was to serve a purpose, and his purpose was to reflect something of his creator and listen, and to bring God pleasure. That's according to the scripture. Now, I want to go on down a bit further, so let's go back to our scripture. Genesis 1, 26 again. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. First we see here man was to be a creation in the image of God. That was by God's choosing 
and man was to also reflect God's likeness, his image and his likeness. That is part of God's purpose for creating man. And then God says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So this man that God is that God has created in his likeness was not just to be in his image, but it was also to have dominion over the earth as a son of God. So not only was he supposed to be in God's likeness or in his image, and Brother Brown said, what kind of image was he? He said, God was a spirit. He said, what kind of man did he create? He created a spirit man. And to this man that he created, he also gave this man dominion. So not only was he going to be in God's likeness or his image, but he was also given something, and that what he was given was dominion. Now, I want you to watch this. Let's keep on reading. That rulership or authority that was given that man was upon all, A-L-L, all the earth. That position of man in his God's given rights. So when a man is in his position, he has access to his God-given rights. And what did God give man? He gave man dominion upon the earth. Now, I want you to watch. I'm just going to take my time for a little bit. He was to control the earth and all that was upon it. And we saw this dominion demonstrated in Jesus Christ. We don't have any records of Adam other than a few scriptures in the, in, the, in the Bible in Genesis. We don't have much to go about to see what Adam did in the garden. But down through the Bible, if you read the Bible, we'll find that there were many men that began to exercise this dominion. Are you following me? And we have records of how God used these men to exercise his dominion. And one of the greatest records we have is in the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we see him as a son of God walking upon the earth, exercising the dominion, listen, that Adam had back in the garden. Now, I want you to watch this. Mark 4:36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ships, speaking of Jesus Christ. And they were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Listen. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Basically, as a son of God, he was exercising his dominion as a son of God upon earth. And what Adam had lost, Jesus Christ came back to restore. And he was demonstrating what Adam had in the garden. And not just what Adam had, I want to get a little ahead of myself, what every true boy born again son of God has is a portion of his dominion to exercise it upon the earth. I want you to watch that. What Jesus Christ had was dominion and he demonstrated as a son of God. Now let's look at Genesis again. Genesis 126. I'm going to go back to the scripture again. And God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, listen, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and listen, subdue it, and have dominion. God was saying to man, when I place you up on earth, I want you not only to be in my likeness, but in my likeness and in my image, there's something that comes with that. It's called authority. Brother Branham said God is the God of the universe. He said, but man was to be the God of the earth, an amateur God upon the earth. There was an authority that come with opposition in God. Are you following me? I want you to watch this. 
He said, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That sonship that Jesus Christ expressed was not a special authority. It was not a unique sonship. It was actually the same sonship that Adam had back in Genesis. Are you following me? It was the same sonship that Adam possessed in Eden. It was part of his inheritance as a son of God. Now, let's look at Jesus Christ's Bible lineage for a minute. Turn me to the book of St. Luke, because I want to read a couple of scriptures out of Luke, and I want to just trace this back for a minute. St. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. St. Luke 3, 21. And it says, Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, and the heaven was open, and the Holy Ghost ascended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. God identified Jesus Christ as his Son. Now this is important. Because as I'm talking about this authority, I want you to recognize where the authority came from. It came from him as a Son of God. And it was not unique to him as a Son of God, but it is actually a part of the inheritance to every. Son of God. Now I want you to watch this. I want you to just keep reading for a minute. Verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of old and being as was supposed to be. And I want you to watch how the Bible put this. Supposed to be the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now notice, Jesus Christ was not the son of Joseph as pertaining to the flesh. But the Bible says supposing to be. Why? Because he had to, by prophecy, come by the lineage of David. So he had to come by that bloodline, but without any connection to the blood. Are you with me? He had to come by that inheritance or that lineage because the prophecy said he would be called the son of David. So he had to be born by Joseph, which was a lineage of David. But the Bible says supposing to be because they could be, according to prophecy, he was going to be virgin born. So there could be no blood connection. Now, I want you to watch. Just keep reading with me. But Jesus Christ was connected to Joseph by prophecy as the son of David. And David's lineage goes all the way back to Adam. Now, let's go back to Luke 3.31. Luke 3.31. And it says, which was the son of Meli. Now, this is David we're talking about. A minute ago, we were talking about Christ's identification. Now, let's look at David's identification. It says, which was the son of Meli, which was the son of Mian, which was the son of Matha, I'm probably not pronouncing this right, forgive me, which is the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. So now we're seeing in Luke, as God is showing Jesus Christ's identification, if you go back and just keep reading that same chapter and reading on down, it gives you all the lineage from Jesus Christ and Joseph all the way back to the Garden of Eden and Adam. A complete lineage, but I'm not going to read the whole lineage tonight, but I'm going to skip over it just so you can catch the highlights. We went from Christ to David. Why to David? Because he was supposedly the son of Joseph, because by scripture he had to be a son of David so I'm just want to show you David and his lineage now I want you to keep on reading with me for a minute let's go to Luke chapter 1 verse 31 Luke 1 31 and I'm gonna try to slow down here let me get myself nervous a little bit but I want you to catch this thought I want you to catch this thought Luke 1 31 he was identified with David because David was God's chosen king after his own heart over Israel. He was just a type, a prefigure of the real chosen king that would one day rule over that nation. Are you following me? 
That became the connection between Christ and David was David was a king like as Christ. David was both king, listen, prophet, and he actually acted him a minute and went into the priest, into the temple as a priest. Are you following me? Was Jesus Christ was what? He's both our prophet. He's our king, and he's also a priest. Are you following me? David was just a, a microcosm or reflection of the great one that was to come. Now, I want you to watch this. Let's look at Luke 1, 31, and watch what the Bible says about it. And it says, Behold, thou shalt receive, conceive in thy womb, speaking to Mary, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the son of the highest. Now, I want you to watch this. We've already identified by Scripture that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus Christ has identified deity as the son of God. But I want you to watch this. He had a twofold manner. Watch how the Scripture says this. He shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So not only was he identified with the spiritual God as a son, but in the flesh he was also identified with mankind as a son of David. So he was identified both with the supernatural and with the natural. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. So he was identified as having two fathers. Jesus Christ was identified with the earthly as well as with the heavenly. Both of them had connections with God. Now, I want you to watch this. He was also to have a connection not just with God, but with fallen man. This connection did not stop with David, but it goes all the way back to Genesis, to the Garden of Eden, as a son of Adam. Now, I want you to watch this. Let's look at Luke 3:38. Luke 3:38. And this brings us to the end of the genealogy, Luke 3:38, And it said, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam. And who was Adam? Son of God. So this dominion that we're talking about, this reflection that we're talking about, was actually given to God and his sons. Are you following me? So as a son of God, when you're born again, God has identified you as his son when he gave you the Holy Ghost. Are you following me? When you were born again, God has did the same thing he did with Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. When he gave you the Holy Ghost, it was the same identification. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom my spirit is pleased to dwell. And that's taking you, Brother Banner said, by abstract title deed, all the way back to Genesis. What Adam lost, God is saying, I'm now restoring to you. But what we're doing is, by God's grace and by the message of the hour, we're coming into the realization of exactly what does that mean. How does that place me in Scripture? What does that mean? Does that mean I just speak in tongues? That doesn't mean I just pray for the sick. That doesn't mean I go out and witness every now and then. What does that mean? That means God is trying to identify himself in you. He wants to reflect himself. And the only way he can do it is you can do it. I can't do it. But his literal life has to be in you as a son. And his life identifies itself. Even Christ as a son said it is not I to do the works. I don't cast out devils. I'm the vessel that the father lives in. And the father in me, he doeth the works. When they said, how do you cast out devils? By Beelzebub, he said to speak against the Holy Ghost. Why did he say the Holy Ghost? Because he wasn't doing it. It was the Holy Ghost in Christ casting out devils. Now, let me keep going. So Adam was God's first son in the line of mortal man. But as Adam was, so was every true son. Adam was to bear his image and his likeness of his father, which was God. And listen. Look at the similarity 
between Adam and Jesus Christ. They were only two sons. Listen, the only two sons of God that were not conceived by sex. Adam was formed by his hand. Jesus Christ was created in the womb of a virgin. Neither one had earthly father. Are you following me? They were both created men, both identified as sons of God. And because they neither one had human instrumentality in terms of conception, they were both identified in Scripture as Adam. Are you following me? Let me keep reading to you. He was the creation of God. And when this first creation failed, this first son failed, he lost his image and his likeness of God that he was created to reflect that's why in Genesis 6, God said it grieved him. Turn me to Genesis 6. I want you to read this one with me too. Genesis 6. Genesis 6, 5. This scripture always puzzled me. And I'm sure some of the medicine brothers said what I'm about to say. Maybe some of the other people do too. Sometimes you're reading the Bible and scriptures just kind of don't seem to make sense according to our carnal mind. Why, why, why would God say this? Or why would it be like that? And God said it, it repented him. That he made man. I know when I say repent, I've done something wrong. I, I, I want to get it right. I did wrong. I'm sorry. But God said he repented me. You know, I scratched my head and said, well, God never did wrong. He, he knew the end from the beginning. Brother Bam said he can never make a mistake. You know, so you look at those things, you go, well, it's scripture. It's true. I don't understand it, but it's true. But I want you to read this with me for a minute. Genesis 5, Genesis 6, verse 5. So, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now, keep in mind, God created man to be in his image and his likeness. That was to be for every man, not just Adam and not just Christ. That was to be for every man. But due to the fall, we see what man has come to. And all we got to do is turn on the radio or turn on YouTube or some video and watch the news. And you look at this world right now and particularly our great nation that everybody claims to be so great. This nation, which was one of the greatest nations, if not the greatest nation that God allowed to come upon the face of the earth. Look at what it has developed to. Why? Because it's not the government that can sustain it. It's the nature of fallen man that can't be controlled by government. Man cannot be controlled by government. Man can only be controlled by a spirit. And if you don't have the spirit of Christ, there's only one other spirit to control you. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. People say, what if we do this? Or what if we do that? You cannot legislate man by government. It has never worked and it never will. I want you to watch this. God saw the wickedness of man that was great upon the earth and that every imagination of his heart, of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord. I looked that word repent up. That word repent means to sigh. That's all it means. It means, it means a deep sigh like a groan. And so it's used in the Bible in two ways. It's a groan of grief and it's a groan of joy. When you say to him, said, thy son living. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I thought he was gone. Oh, but it also means he didn't make it. Oh, the same sound, the same gesture, but it's reflecting what's coming from the heart in a gesture. And all God said when he repented me in a gesture, he said, as I look at man, I want a man to reflect me. And when I look at mankind because of the fall of sin, he's not reflecting me, but he's reflecting the image of my enemy. 
and it grieved God. Even though he knew man was going to be in that condition, it still grieved him. He sighed to have to look down and see it. Are you following me? It repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. That's what the repentance sigh was about. Now listen, Adam did not, Adam did carry out his commission to multiply, but he lost the image that was pleasing to God. And when God looked at his offspring, he sighed. Now I want you to watch this. So God created a second Adam. Another man created by the hand of God, the second Adam would, would listen, would not come into the world by conception of mortal blood, but by supernatural birth in the womb of a virgin. A new creation, just like the first man was a creation, this second Adam, Jesus Christ, would also be a creation. Why? He was to come, listen, church, to correct and restore what the first Adam lost. I want you to watch this. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And it says... And so is it written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. We've got two Adams. The first one being in the Garden of Eden and the second one being in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now listen. How be it that which was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man, that's Adam, is earth is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord of heaven. Now Paul is specifically identifying the second Adam as Jesus Christ. Because he is the Lord of heaven. I want you to watch this. He was a man created by God. And like the first Adam, he was created in the image and likeness of God. He was the perfect image of God, not in spirit form this time, but he was the perfect image of God in the flesh. Now I want you to watch this. He was a son of God, just like the first Adam, and he was given authority like the first Adam, like the first Adam lost, and he was given the power and purpose of redemption. Jesus Christ was to bring back our position and authority as sons and daughters of God. Let's look at Matthew. We don't have to turn it for time's sake. I'm just going to read it. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. Why are we going to inherit the earth? Because the earth was given to us in the beginning, and what God started, he was not going to lose. Brother Bam said he knew that man would fall, and there would be a plan of redemption in which man would lose his position, but God, by foreknowledge, knew that man was going to receive it back by his plan of redemption that would be to the glory of his grace. Amen. Are you following me? Now, let me keep reading. Still in 1 Corinthians 47, verse 47. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, born in the sinful flesh. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly, born of the spirit. Now, why don't you watch this? And as we have borne the image of the earthy, I love this, we might, we can potentially can. We shall bear the image, the reflection of the heavenly, under redemption as sons and daughters of God. Don't look at yourself as who you are. Look at yourself as who he made you to be and identify that by the word, believing that as the word said, I'm going to be this way, such as he is, so shall I be where? In this world, I will reflect Jesus Christ. Because that was the purpose for which he came, was to restore back the fellowship and redemption and the image of God in fallen man. 
Now, let me keep going. Let me keep going. So we received the both Adams. We got a fallen flesh from the first Adam, but we got the hope and grace of eternal life, of God's life, living our mortal body from the second Adam. To do what? Reflect our maker. A man on earth, listen, reflecting God in his flesh. That's what every son and God, son and daughter of God was to be. And Jesus Christ demonstrated that to his disciples. And then when he did, he rebuked them and said, oh, ye a little faith. But we'll get to that in a minute. But right now, let's recognize what's given to us. And that's my purpose for this thought tonight. I really want to just preach on faith tonight. I, since Sunday, I was looking forward to the service. And I got a nice thought on faith. And this morning, God gave me this, this thought I'm preaching on now. And as I started studying through it, I said, I'm not going to be ready to preach this tonight. So I kind of pushed it aside. And driving up tonight, something pushed it back in my lap. And I recognized, I said, that's not my choice. I don't care how comfortable I feel with a very pre-prepared message. I want to go with the one he gave me for tonight. As a minister, preaching is not the hard part. As Brother Barry said, if you can get yourself out the way, preaching becomes quite easy once you can get yourself out the way. The hard part is knowing what to preach. The hard part is knowing the mind of God that you're moving in the right channel so that you can relax and get yourself out of the way because you yielded everything you got, soul, body, and mind, to the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, the last minute I still had trouble doing it, but when that got pushed back in my lap driving up here tonight, I, I got enough experience walking with God, no doubt, to push that back again. I pushed it one time, you forgive me, you pushed it back, I wasn't going to push it a second time. But I want you to catch this thought. You are a son and daughter of God, and I want you to recognize what that means in the hour in which you live in. Because we're about to face something as the children of God. We're in a late hour. I was trying to talk to my wife this morning and say, honey, the cage is closing. People are looking for things to get back to normal. I do not believe for one minute that this, as a son of God, as a minister, things are going back to normal. We're witnessing the end of the end, and the cage is closing. But as son of God and daughter of God, you have nothing to fear. Amen. Not one thing to fear. Because it's all happening for one reason. To bring you to the hour of his glorification in our mortal body. Amen. We've got to go through this hall of critics. We've got to go through this punishment. Brother Brown said, because when the church is under persecution, that's when she's at her greatest glory. Amen. We read the Old Testament accounts. And we see how Daniel did in the lion's den. And how the Hebrew boys did in the fire. And how the different things that happened and through, through Old Testament saints throughout the Bible. And we say, my, those are great testimonies. But when did those testimonies come? A great hour of stress. Amen. And if you look at the scripture Brother Banner Maru read when he read the message of rapture, he preached the message of rapture. Where did he get his inspiration from? Psalm 27. Had you looked at Psalm 27 closely, it's an hour of trouble. Lord, hide me in thy pavilion. Why? We've got a hiding place. And I'm watching how this world is getting so rock and reeled in division and everybody's taking thought on this and taking sides on that. I don't take sides with any of it. Guess why? Because I've made my choice and it's Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm even looking at the world getting ripped apart. And what's hurting my heart is see this message getting ripped apart. There's people taking sides with the evil in the camp. No matter what side you choose, outside of Christ, you're choosing evil in the camp. 
Make Christ your choice. Make your brother, your sister your choice. Make your loved ones your choice. But don't side with nothing of this world because it's all coming to a final corruption. It's reaching its full cup of iniquity. And that hour, the beautiful bride of Christ has separated herself. She separated herself to what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. To be one of his chosen vessels in this hour. Where somebody can say, how could you stand the way you stand with this person saying this about you? They did it about him. They do it about every true son and daughter of God. Are you following me? And I'll say this, and I can say it tonight and not be false in my testimony and not hate him for it. Not hate him for it. But say, Lord, how can I still, despite that, reach out a real loving hand and mean it? Hopefully in enough love. Will they reconsider what was said? Are you following me? I got my brother David here tonight. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. <laughs> I got to know him and his dad real good. And David's dad told me one time, and I say this for no bragging, this for the testimony of the glory of God. His dad and David didn't have license. So they used to depend upon people a lot before his dad passed for transportation. I lived in Charlotte. They lived in, lived in Gastonia which is a drive just to get to them, forget where they want to go. i got a half hour just to get to them. Then i got to deal with where they want to go. And one day a brother told me, he said, don't give me your number. He said, they'll call you. I said, they have to call me. Now, I'm not saying I want them to call me. I didn't say I want them to. But I was just being respectful to give them my number. <laughs> and then, of course, they started calling me. Called me once a month, twice a month, <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Driving to Charlotte, guest only, give them a ride to where they got to go. Doctor's office, wherever it might be. Go grocery shopping, whatever it might be. And I got to admit, in my flesh, I kind of resented the frequency of the calls. And then one day God said, I've put you to drive them. Now I realize I'm not just being respectful now. When somebody says, I've put you in that position, now it's time for me to recognize what my position is. And then to bear my position. And that changed me. My attitude toward him and everything. And one day his dad told me, said, you know what, you're interested. He said, you got the patience of Job. And he didn't realize God had told me that it was my responsibility to help them and look after them. And to this day, me and David still buddies. Why? Because he's my brother, he's my buddy, and his father's gone. But I still want to be a part of his life to help him in some way to look after him. Are you following me? But I want you to catch this. When he had had a massive heart attack and was in rehab, he didn't have a lot of friends. So when I could, I tried to get by to see him maybe at least once a week. And I had to go out of town one time for a period of time, and I got back. <laughs> I really, to be honest, thought the man wasn't going to come out of it. I said, he's in here after this heart attack. He's good to be alive. I said, but as we, he, David would have to help him drink his, drink his drink. He couldn't hardly even hold a cup. And I kept, we prayed for him as much as I had faith to pray for him. But after a couple of weeks of praying for him and seeing he wasn't getting no better, I got to admit, my eyes started working on me. I said, the man's 70-something years old. He had a massive heart attack. It's the grace of God he's still with us. But this may be the end of his days. He'll be here until God calls him home. I went away two weeks. I come back. When I came back, he was sitting up in a chair. The first time I seen him sitting up since he'd been in that, in that, in that uh, rehab. And David said, uh, Dad, show him. And his dad stood up and walked. And I said, glory to God, the man's going home. But it was something that had went beyond my ability because of my sight. But let me get back to the reason why I'm bringing him up. 
He said something to me. He said, Brother Mike, he said, your testimony changed me. He said, before I met you and your brother, he said, I didn't like black people. And this man had been the message for years. He said, I didn't like black people. But your kindness changed that. God told me he's your responsibility. And me acting on God's commission. Not my flesh. My flesh was like, why do they keep calling me? (laughs) The brother told you don't give him the number. He told you. (laughs) But once I recognized this was just not a coincidence, my attitude changed. And that change in attitude changed that man. Are you following me? I'm saying that to say this. Be careful of what's going out there. Be careful of those spirits that illumine because they're trying to work in the ranks of the message to change your attitude, not for Christ, but for the wrong thing. Let's keep our focus on this message of the hour. Now, Jesus Christ said it wasn't him that did the works. In St. John 14, 11, he says, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sakes. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, listen, shall he do also. As a son of God, he did not have a unique dominion. It was the dominion to the sons of God. And when the life of Christ comes into a sons of God, the works that I do, the authority you see me doing, shall ye do also. It won't make you a prophet. It won't mean you have discernment lines. That's a gift. That's not a sonship. That's a gift. But as far as the authority of sonship, we've been given the same authority. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that. You say, Brother Mike, I don't see it operating in my life. You keep believing it until you do. You keep confessing it until you do. But you've got to recognize that the Word said that's the way it's going to be, then that's the way it's going to be. And, Lord, I accept it that way. I want you to watch this. Because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, let's go back to Mark 6, and I'm going to try to bring this to a close. Mark 6. I'm talking about the reflection of God, both from the light of the word that reflects from the word and reflects in you. And also from the changing of the heart, the desires that are in you that will be reflected in the manner of life you live. It's going to reflect God. And we saw the perfection of that in Jesus Christ. But now that same portion that was in Christ is now being poured out into the bride in this last age. Now, I want you to watch this. Mark 4:36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took, even, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat up into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Now, listen. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, careth thou not that thou we perish? Now, I want you to notice the importance of this scene. Remember, Jesus Christ was just a man as it was the flesh. Brother Adam said this so many times. He said, in the flesh, he was just a man. Basically saying, as in his flesh, he was flesh and blood. He can get tired. He can sleep. He could, he could feel just what you would not feel. And here's this man asleep on a pillow. And Brother Bram said in one place, he said he really wasn't asleep. He was pretending he was asleep. But to them, as far as they're concerned, he looked like he was asleep. Are you following me? So he's on his pillow sleeping. 
and this storm is rocking the ship. And they go unto him and say, care not that we perish. Now, if a man is in the middle of a storm, so much so that this ship, and it wasn't a little paddle boat, it was a little bit bigger than that, I know. Big as the ship was, it was being tossed by the winds and the waves. This was a pretty big storm. What was a man supposed to do? Was he supposed to grab a bucket and try to dip water out of the the boat? Was he supposed to say, give me the paddle, I'm a little stronger than you, John. Let me see if I can get this thing back under control. What was a man supposed to do? They didn't really know. But what they did know was they had seen something in this man's life that he had a mastery of taking control over situations. And in this situation, they said, let's get Jesus on the scene. I don't know what he will do, but I know he's a master of taking things and situations and bringing them under control. Did you realize that sons and daughters of God, we're in that same mastery. If we can go back to the word and see what the word says about your situation and apply the word in your situation, you can be a master of bringing any situation under control. But we do like the disciples. We cry. Now, I want you to watch this. To the nominal Christian, that seems good. And at times that would have been good. But our age has changed. I want you to notice something. Something's changing. God is moving the authority from his shoulders. (laughs) He's moving it, brother, and he's placing it somewhere else. Brother Branham was in a service one time. And there was two couples, a young couple making out in a service. And God asked Brother Branham. Brother Branham said, God, you know, was praying to God about the situation during the service. And God said, I put them in your hands. This is not my decision. I'm shifting the authority. Whatever you say, that's what it'll be. When his wife was sick, and he said he prayed for his wife earnestly. She's going to surgery. She was down there in one state being prayed, being given going to surgery. He's in another state. He's at home, and he's praying. And God said, what do you say? Whatever you say. He was shifting the authority. We're in the hour, church. We've got to recognize God is literally shifting his authority. And he wants us to recognize it. Because you were the sons that were intended to possess this authority. But if we keep kicking the can down the road, we'll say one day, one day. Don't miss it, church. The authority is being shifted. I want you to watch this. And don't be afraid. He'll bring you to it. Don't try to work yourself into it. No, sir. But believe him for it. He'll let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. But just don't kick the can down the road. If God has shifted it, be willing to be like Mary said, be it unto me according to the word. She did not understand what the angel said. The Holy Ghost overshadowed you. She could not explain that one bit. She can repeat what he said. But she could not explain it. But she simply believed it. And Brother Banner preached a sermon on it. Mary's belief. She didn't understand it, but she simply, because the word reported it, she simply believed it. I don't understand the shifting completely, and I'm not trying to, because that would get intellectual. But I want to know it's in the word. I want to recognize the hour that is happening, and I want to be able to say, Lord, be unto me, according to your word. Now, I want you to watch this. Now, remember, as a man in the flesh... There wasn't a whole lot Christ can do. But they knew there was something special about this man. 
And so when he went to him and called on him, the Bible said, and he arose and rebuked the wind and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. What was he doing? Demonstrating his dominion. And watch their reaction. Watch their reaction. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? They called on God and got rebuked. Doesn't that seem strange? For a man to call God for help, and then he said, boys, I'm glad y'all have faith in me. He was trying to, as a father to his children, teach them, I've given you power. Recognize what you've got. Recognize what you've got. Brother Branham said this about Moses. I want you to watch what happened to Moses. If you look at Exodus 14, I'll read it. You're not turn for time's sake. I'm going to try to finish up. Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to depend upon the Lord. Because we should depend upon him for everything. But notice what your part is in what he's called you to do. Listen. For salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. That was a good confession, but I want you to watch this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cried thou to me? A rebuke. Here's a prophet in the line of duty, and he's telling the people, God's going to be the great God that's going to deliver us this day. Watch for the mighty hand of God. And then Moses cries to God and stands still. It wasn't that he depended upon God was the problem, but when he stood still, he didn't recognize his part in that situation. God had given him authority in that situation to deal with the situation and bring it under control, just like Jesus Christ did. But the problem was he didn't recognize his part in it. Yes, it's God's power that's going to do everything for us. But we got to recognize our part to act on the faith to call that power on the scene. Amen. I want you to watch this. The Lord said, why cry thou unto me? Moses, you speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Lift up, now listen, lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand. That's your part, Moses. You already had the authority in your hand. Did it not work down in Egypt when you called for flies? Did it not work when you tapped the water and it turned to blood? Did it not work when you tapped the water again and it turned from blood back to water? Did it not work when you called the frogs? Did it not work when you called the lice? Didn't it not work when you called and you raised it up and a deaf angel came down? Moses, it was already in your hand. Brother Brown said, you know what that rod represented? The name of Jesus Christ to the church. And it's time for the church, listen, to recognize our authority in that name. When we lift that name up, according to this word, Jesus Christ said, I'll come down and act that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But like Moses, we believe we're the chosen one. As he did. He didn't think he was an unbeliever. He didn't think he was not the prophet. He believed he was the prophet. He just didn't recognize the authority that he was marching under. What are you getting at, Brother Mike? I want this young man, this young man. I want them to recognize the authority they're under. If they believe this message, this young man has the same authority, believe it or not, as Brother Barry, if he's born again. 
He can be just as effective with this word. Maybe not pastoring, because that takes wisdom. He ain't got there yet. (laughs) So I ain't talking about gifts now. But I'm just talking about authority before God. To call on God by his word with the faith that's now living in him. That God is going to act on the word that he's asked for. Are you following me? So don't try to pastor and preach just yet. That's a call and that takes time. But by faith you can have authority. Are you following me? Now let me keep reading. But if thou lift up thy rod and stretch forth thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go forth on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Moses' problem, as we said, was he didn't recognize his position. And when he got afraid, he, he, his fear caused him not to act upon what God had called him to do. Now let me just drop one down. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes and I'm going to let you go. Okay. I used to preach in the morning about an hour, so I got ten minutes. Is that all right? Ten minutes? Okay. All right. The authority that God had given to mankind in the beginning. Brother Brandon sent a message to Breach. Now, when Adam sinned, he heeded his wife's reasoning. Instead of holding to God's word, that's what made Adam sin. His wife reasoned with Satan, and he produced the product, and she produced the product to Adam, and Adam turned loose the word and sold out. He lost also his inheritance when he lost his fellowship and right to life. Remember, the day thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And when he lost his, when he lost his life, listen, he also lost his inheritance in life because he had complete supreme control of the earth. He was a god of the earth. This is what Adam had. Now listen. God's, listen, God's the god of the universe everywhere, but his son had the earth under his own control. He could speak, he could name, he could say, he could stop nature, he could do anything he wanted to see. But when he did that, that sin that is, he lost his inheritance. Now Adam could say, let the mountain be, be, there, be moved over there, and it would do it. Adam could say, let this tree be plucked up and planted over there, and it would do it, see? For he had complete supreme control as a minor God under God our Father because he was a son of God. Now, could we not stop here for a minute and get a real sermon? That's what we're doing tonight. What he's talking about right here is the heart of the sermon tonight. Understanding what we've been brought back to. Listen. See? Oh, then if the blood has cleansed in black, what about now? He described intensely what it was then. But if the second Adam blood has brought it back, let that be our heart's desire. Let that meditate on our heart a little while. Not trying to work nothing up in our human minds, but let the thought become so real to us. That blood has already brought us back. You say, but you can't go no farther than the word permits. This hour the word has permitted to us to become now the manifestation of the sons and daughters. That is the hour you and I are living in. And the condition now is calling for Satan's children to take their position. And it's calling for us as the sons of God now to recognize and take our position. Now listen. He said that the blood has cleansed it back. What about now, see? Look what that son of God, the second Adam, did. And said, the works that I do, listen, shall ye do also. Now, I want you to watch this. God of this evil age. You know what? I'm looking at this clock. 
I'm going to read this, this quote in one more, and I'm going to let you go. The God of this evil age. For as the germ of the natural life is brought down, germatized from father to father, from father to father, so is the life of Christ germatized. That's the reason God used Elijah's spirit five different times. What is it? It's the handing down. Just as your natural life and traits is handed down from your natural breeding of your father, so is the spirit of God that was predestinated before the foundation of the world. Listen, I can't bear the likeness of that man's father because I have none of his life in me. He cannot bear the likeness of my father because he doesn't have that in him. But if by predestination you have a seed of God in you and the life of God comes upon you, you have all that you need now to bear the likeness of your father. I want you to follow this. Brother Brown said it carries down. So it goes from the, from, from the life of God to the life of Christ, and then from Christ on Calvary, it was shed on Pentecost to come back to every true son and daughter of God. Now watch what the prophet says here in the message of God of this evil age. He said, when the entire word of God is complete, and complete was headed up in a human body called Jesus Christ, in there God made me pay for my sins. Listen, in him there. Now this one is sometimes hard to take. But if you just accept it by faith, Brother Branham said all of his attributes were in him when he was in that bodily form. That included you and I. He said, and when he was beat and bruised for sin, he said, you and I were receiving our judgment along with him at that time. You say, Brother Mike, how is that? Can you explain that to me? I can't explain that to you. I might can give you a few scriptures and maybe line up a few things theologically. But to really say I can break it down and explain it to you, that takes a revelation. But just accept by the word you were in him then. And when by justification you can recognize that when God raised him up for our, the Bible says, justification. Why? Because we were in that body. And when God accepted that body, he accepted you with that body. And I want you to catch this. Then he rose me, raised me up with him in the resurrection. And now we are seated with him with power and authority over the devil. Now once you receive the Holy Spirit to enlighten your eyes of your understanding, you recognize who you are and what God made you to be and that you've been given back the authority over the devil. Now I want you to watch this. Oh, if you could only believe that what God has given. But if you're not seated there, you don't have it. But if you are seated there and don't believe it, you're afraid to move and you'll never use it. But if you're seated there, you will use it for you are ordained to do what you do. Yeah. One more quote. We were ordained by God to walk on this earth as sons and daughters of God. To do what he's ordained us to do. To fulfill the word in our age, which he is the word, that we can reflect his likeness by the word. I want you to watch. Why cry speak? Why is this message so important? Why is it so important? This message came to give us faith, a spiritual understanding of what we were to be in the age in which we now live in. Brother Bram says, and why cry speak? For you see, faith sees what God wants done. I'm trying to bring this to a close. Faith sees what God wants done. Faith is not something we grab out of the air and say, this is what I want. You know, the nominal church world will try to make it 
name it, claim it. You just grab what you want and you just run with it and be happy. But faith actually, Brother Branham says, by the word, sees what God wants done. That's why the Bible says without faith you can't please him. The only way to please him is to know what it is he wants done. Faith comes to show you that. And Brother Brandon said, oh, the phenomena of when a man is walking according to his will, the phenomena of it, which means that you can recognize if I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do, I have no doubt but what he's going to do his part to make sure it happens. Because why? I'm only carrying out his commission. Are you following me? I want you to watch this. For you see, faith sees what God wants done. Oh, I hope this goes in. Faith doesn't look at the present time. Faith doesn't see here. Faith looks to see what God wants, and it works accordingly. Why did Noah build that boat for 120 years? Because God said, I want you to prepare a boat for the saving of you and your house and for all these animals and creeping things upon earth. Noah, I've given you the commission to do that. And he went to the Bible and said, Noah, move with fear. Why? Because he was commissioned and faith put him to work and he worked for 120 years accordingly. Dimension by dimension, height by height, wood by wood, material by material. He couldn't bring the animals. It was God's job to bring the animals, but he could work hard to prepare the vessel. Brother Barry can't bring the people in, but he can prepare the vessel, Christ, the word, and bring that, and the people, God, will have to bring them in. That's what faith does. You see what God wants and what God wants done, and faith operates through that. Now, I'm going to read this last quote, Thirsting for Life. It's a little long, but I got just two minutes, and I think I can get it done. Two minutes. Thirsting for Life. God is calling us to recognize our position as his children. That's, my, that's, that's what I'm, the point I'm trying to express tonight. Just recognize your position. Don't try to work it up. Don't try to say, I got to just accept what he's made you to be. And then when the opportunity presents itself by the word, you just operate on the word as a son and daughter of God. And then let him do the rest. That's all Jesus did. Brother Bram said he had confidence in what the word said that he was. He said, and as a believer, he said, we need to have the same faith to have confidence in what the Bible says we are. And then just operate, walk accordingly. Thirsting for life, Brother Bram said, and it was told a story that one day a broker came by a great plantation and there was many slaves on the plantation. So he said to the owner, he said, I would like to look over your slaves. Maybe I could give you some some nice prices. The owner said, help yourself. He goes out and looks over the plantation and the slaves was away from home. They had been captured, taken away from their mother, away from the baby sometimes, mothers away from husbands and just brought over here and used them like Brutes for labor, roots of labor. And they were sad. They know that they never see Papa again. They never see Mama. They never see the baby again. They were slaves and aliens in a strange country. They had no spirit in them to work, and they would have to take whips to make them work. And they noticed one young slave, a young man. He never had to whip him. He had his chest out, his chin up. He was right on the job so quickly. The broker said, I'd like to buy that slave. The owner said, but he's not for sale. He said, well, how much different? He said, how, he's so much different from the other slaves. Said, is he the boss over the rest of them? The owner said, no, he's not the boss. He's just a slave. He said, well, maybe you feed him a little better than you do the rest of the slaves. He said, no, he eats out in the galleys with the rest of the slaves. He's just a slave. Well, the owner said, what makes him so much different than the other slaves? The owner said, I wondered that for a long time, but one day I found the reason. Now listen, 
Listen. What made this man that should have been just as broken as every other slave that was in that plantation? What made him different? He fed him no different. He treated him no different. He said, you don't beat him. He said, I have to beat them. Got to constantly hit him. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But this man didn't have to do that. Give him a responsibility. Chin up, chest out. Go do it. Ask him to do something. Well, I don't know. Chin up, chest out, go do it. But he was still a slave. Watch what Brother Brown says. What's the reason? You know, over in the homeland, his father is the king of the tribe. And yet he's an alien, but he knows he's the son of a king and conducts himself like one. Once we as sons of God recognize who we are, what's given us, we're not begging for these things. They're given to us. It just takes a little faith to recognize it and start to put it to use. This man didn't need to be pumped up, pushed up, and beat up. All he needed was a little simple command. And he says, as a son of a king, I have authority, and I want to make sure that I represent myself in such a way that if my father was looking at me, he'd be proud. His father never got to see how he acted. But your father sees all of our actions. Are you following me? And when we do something wrong, there's a blood, Brother Brown said, a blanket, a buffer to cover for us. But when we do something good, there's a Holy Ghost report back in heaven that said, Father, your boy is doing just fine. Amen. Let's conduct ourselves like that. Let's not be in Laodicea with our heads down, shoulders bowed. Let's recognize what we've got. Be happy about it. So happy about it. Somebody, brother, actually say, what you so happy about? Everybody got on face masks and the corona's running this down and churches open and closing and open and closing and reopening and reclosing again. Are you following me? What you so happy about? Well, if you got some time, I'll be glad to tell you. It started way back before the foundation of the world. My Papa God saw me way down here and led to see you. He said, I was going to have a little boy named Michael Holloway. But he didn't put Michael Holloway on the book. But he put my name on it. Brother Bram said, it's not your name here on earth, but it's a scriptural name. And when Papa put my name on it, and like little John in Revelations, when he showed me my name in the book, said, this is how I saw you in Laodicea. This is what I wrote about you. I got like John. I got a little happy about it. Brother Bram said, John, God's happy when he saw his name on that book. He said, all that was in heaven, all that was in earth, and all of them heard him shout, say, glory. Why? He saw his name written on the book. Let's recognize our name on this book. In simplicity, as just a son and daughter of God, that enough should be enough to make us shout glory all the way home tonight. But don't let the devil beat you down. Don't let him get you gloomy. Yes, we all get our heads down about something. Brother Bradham got his head down about things. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him stay there. It would lift him back up and remind him of the greatness that God did for him. So as humans, we're going to have our dark days where the cloud gets dark. And maybe for a minute, you kind of get a little gloomy. But then you wait a minute. Hold up a second. I don't have to live under that atmosphere. And then you step out up from under it. Or if you don't feel like stepping out, you just tell the cloud to move. You don't have to move. You just say, cloud, I don't want you to move. You tell the cloud to move. But either way, you don't have to live in that atmosphere. You see what I'm getting at? Let's just recognize what God has given us. And then particularly for this age, this glorious age in which we live in.
He said, Brother Mike, as you demonstrate and you live in all of it, I can't say I've got it perfected. But God, by his grace, I feel like each year go by, each month go by, I'm seeing a little bit more of it. And say, God, forgive me for how I lived last month. Let me live this month just a little bit better. And just keep moving on and moving on and moving on. Let's bow our heads. The musicians would like to come. They're welcome to come at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for the message you've given us tonight. Lord, you know my heart. I just want to do your will. And I pray that all it was a blessing. I believe you ordained it. I believe it has blessed somebody. Lord, but I pray everybody to leave tonight with some portion of grace from the word that was shared. And Lord, I pray that you help us. And I ask me, myself as well. Lord, open our eyes. May your Holy Spirit, I say, begin to wash away our own thoughts, our own beliefs, our own insecurities. And God, by your great grace, may you give us faith to recognize not how we see ourselves, but how you see us in the light of the word. And let us agree with that. And let us walk in that. May we be like that African prince who even in the darkest hour of slavery could walk with his chin up and chest out in full confidence that he was still, no matter what the circumstances, he was still the son of a king. Lord, circumstances doesn't change our position. We're still sons and daughters of God if we're born again by your spirit. Let us have that assurance and let us walk in it. Lord, bless the church here. Bless the ministries. Bless the laity as they come here to receive your word. We commit these things into your hands and we ask them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. See Brother Barry by saying amen. I'll say this before I do that. If we could have a minute, if there's any desire of prayer, I'm not trying to have a long prayer line. It's Wednesday night. But if there's any desire of something from God, recognize this is an opportunity to receive it. Anything as simple as salvation, just giving your heart to him or rededication, maybe healing of the body, whatever you have need of, this is an open door and an opportunity. So if there's any desire of prayer, before we dismiss, we'll turn over to Brother Barry. I want to make that invitation. Anybody? Might I give us a song?
his own and he'll never leave me no matter where I go and he knows my name he knows my falls and he hears me when I call sing that chorus again now he knows yes he knows my name he knows my every thought he sees each tear that falls me when I call. If anybody here, anybody knows of Jesus, I do. I do. Anybody knows about It's like if a man was running for office. He's running for president of the United States, and he's a campaigner and campaigning, campaigning, campaigning. And 
he seems to know all about it, and then he gets elected. And then when he gets elected, he he comes to inauguration day and he accepts the position, but then he goes and sits down. And someone attacks the United States, and they'd say, well, hey, come on. Now now you need to use that authority. And if he says, oh, no, I, I, I want to go back to being a candidate, you'd say, hey, man, wake up. Step up to your office and use that authority that, that you've been voted to, to use. You've been elected to use this authority. I wonder sometimes, does, does the Holy Spirit encourage us to think the same way? Hey, you know what? We're more than just churchgoers. Why don't we step up and use the authority that God's predestinated us to have and to use? We've got it not just to know it, but we've got it to actually do it. And that's the difference. This is a great subject. This is a great thing. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my sink deep in our hearts, Lord, and become something that we live and not just something that we know. We thank you, Lord, for this assembly. We thank you, Lord, for all the great things we have been taught and that we have come to know. But, Lord Jesus, we know that you are the inspiration that we have been given. And now, Lord, we want to live the life, Lord, that you have proven is real. May, Lord Jesus, you give strength to your children. May, Lord, you bring healing to those who need it and protection to the people of God. We commit our ways to you, Lord. Pray that you would meet with us every time we gather together in this place. Comfort those who mourn. Minister 
and encourage those who are listening tonight. And Father, have your way, we pray. Bless Brother Mike, his wife, Lord. We pray that you would just lead them and guide them. And Lord, hold them in your perfect will. We invite you, Lord, just to speak to every heart tonight as we leave this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Just want to mention, I, I think we mentioned Aaron. Didn't we mention Aaron tonight? He's uh, back from Arizona. be not feeling well tonight, so we remember him. Sister Sarah, good to have you back. Brother Daryl Ward and his family were all infected with the virus, and uh, we certainly want to hold them up in prayer. And also Brother David Seiler uh, out in Tennessee and uh, Murfreesboro and uh, just several others who are dealing with it, so we want to remember them in prayer tonight. God bless you as you go. We'll see you on Sunday. Let's sing it again as we leave. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my own.